we're so glad to be with you for Legacy Christian Academy's town hall meeting. Uh, can't wait to get started. We've got a lot of great uh, content to get to, so we will jump right in. I am going to toss things over to our head of school, Mr. Bill McGee. Great. Thank you, Shannon, and uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, glad to be with you this Friday afternoon, even if it's virtually. Um, uh, in keeping with our tradition, I'd like to open our town hall meeting in prayer, so if you would bow with me, please. Once again, Father, we gather in your name and with hearts of um, gratitude um, and humility, we, we come to you. And we're just uh, thankful for another week. Uh, Father, you have protected us. Uh, you have provided for us. Uh, you have guided us uh, throughout the week um, and allowed us to, um, uh, to live one more day. And uh, we don't take that for granted, Father. We, uh, uh, we know that uh, you are uh, sovereign and you are in control of your universe. And, um, and we, we take comfort in that, Father, because you are a good, good Father. And we can trust you. And uh, we know that you love your children and that you are um, working uh, in your universe for our good. And so we place that trust in you and we look forward to uh, opportunities like this to communicate and uh, to fellowship with one another and to uh, uh, answer questions and, uh, and uh, stimulate thought. And so it is uh, in that humble spirit that we pray and we ask your blessing um, and we uh, uh, ask that you will bless our speakers that uh, with wisdom and discernment uh, we ask your special blessing upon our parents who have taken time uh, to learn more about our, our future and, and to learn uh, specifically about how all of this, this COVID-19 uh, infection or pandemic, uh, plays into your uh, plan for the universe. So, Father, we love you, uh, we praise you, and we pray in your Son's holy name. Amen. All right, so uh, just a quick uh, reminder, uh, we do this every week, that uh, if you have specific questions or concerns, uh, these are the various email addresses you can contact. Um, so please uh, take advantage of that if you need to. Um, go to the next slide. I, I wanna take a few minutes uh, to share with you this afternoon the um, COVID-19 crisis management teams that we've formed. Uh, over the last few weeks, we have, uh, the leadership team has been meeting to uh, begin addressing a number of uh, uh, critical questions uh, that we, that, that uh, have come up as a result of our current pandemic. And so we've actually uh, been organizing according to six crisis management teams, actually seven if you count the senior leadership team. So I thought uh, you would appreciate seeing this visual. As you can see, uh, the senior leadership team, which is comprised of executive leaders, academic leaders, and operational leaders, has been meeting on a regular basis since this crisis commenced. Um, our charge is uh, to answer the critical question, how do we manage the uncertainty, fluidity, and disruption caused by the COVID-19 pandemic? And of course, you know, there's there's been a lot of uncertainty uh, around this, uh, and, and uh, it's been a very fluid situation. So the senior leadership team is responsible 
for uh, acting as the nerve center. And then, but we're not doing the work alone. We've uh, uh, appointed or designated six crisis management teams. Uh, you can see that on the graphic. Uh, I'll, I won't go over it, the charges for each one of the six. Uh, I'll trust that you can read those and refer to uh, maybe the, um, the recording of this uh, town hall meeting later, but I'll, I'll point out a couple. Uh, the, uh, the one in the upper left-hand corner, Student Community Health and Wellness Team. That team is chaired by our uh, Director of uh, Health Services, Angie Detloff, and is co-chaired by uh, a Director of Counseling, uh, Jenna Snyder. And their primary charge, it's not limited just to this, but their primary charge is to uh, address the question, what will be our crisis management plan if someone in our school community tests positive for COVID-19? Uh, uh, now, right now, we don't know of anyone in the immediate uh, community that has tested positive. There may very well be that we don't know, but uh, it is possible that someone in our community may uh, be infected sometime during next year. And this, uh, this team is gonna put together a, a, uh, an action plan if that happens. Uh, they also have a second charge, which is how will we address the social and emotional needs of our students and community? So uh, uh, that team will be uh, meeting over the next few weeks and probably throughout the summer uh, to uh, make sure that we have a plan in place uh, to accomplish those uh, two things. Um, the, the one next to it uh, uh, in the upper right-hand corner, you see academic leadership team that is chaired by Daniel Townsley and co-chaired by Courtney Jennings and Megan Hanna. Um, their charge is to answer the questions, how can we best educate our students next year if they will be toggling between school home, school home due to the COVID-19 restrictions. So they've got their work cut out for them. The, this team has got to plan for various scenarios. Um, and as we've uh, said all along, you know, this is a very fluid situation and we don't know uh, the circumstances nor the restrictions we'll be under uh, beginning next school year. So uh, the academic leadership team is, has got to develop uh, multiple plans for uh, the various scenarios we may be facing. So that's, uh, 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 that's, that's gonna be a very busy uh, uh, team. They'll be working, I'm sure, throughout the, uh, uh, throughout the summer. Uh, uh, one more I'll highlight, and that's the campus operations team, chaired by Bill Dyer, co-chaired by Cynthia Delgado. Their charge is to uh, address the question, how can we convince our school community that we will provide uh, more safety against COVID-19 exposure relative to the public schools? So here's our goal. We want uh, you as parents to be, um, to rest assured, we're going to provide a campus that is as safe and healthy as possible. Uh, we want it to be the safest campus in the area. Uh, and, and we've already uh, uh, moving to make that uh, so. In fact, Bill Dyer met his team this morning to brainstorm uh, uh, and come up with strategies to ensure that uh, our, we offer a safe community uh, next year. So uh, those are three of the teams. I'll, I'll let you read the charges of the other teams uh, on your own. But uh, I just thought you might be interested in that, uh, that we do have a plan. It is a, uh, 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 
it's a very strategic group of individuals. We also, uh, and the people that you see uh, in that team, uh, there are more individuals that make up part of that team. So we'll actually be including teachers, other administrators, parents, healthcare providers. Uh, we're we're going to draw on all the resources we can to make the wisest uh, decisions possible. So I thought you'd, you'd enjoy um, and would appreciate seeing our organizational plan. Um, parents want to continue to encourage you to seek out tuition assistance if you find yourself financially challenged and faced with the possibility of having to withdraw your children because you can't uh, afford the tuition. Uh, we are, the, the numbers of applications for tuition assistance is increasing daily. Uh, right now, we are up to almost 11% of our uh, students are now receiving some amount of tuition assistance. Total amount awarded uh, approaches 800,000. So, uh, so we're serious. Uh, uh, please do not make a decision to withdraw your children for financial reasons uh, until you have given our tuition assistance program a chance. So let's go to the next, uh, uh, that kind of leads into the Stronger Together Fund. As you know, we have um, uh, designated all gifts to the annual fund that are not designated to go to our tuition assistance fund. So that's how we're going to provide the resources uh, for these families. We're going to uh, depend on the generosity of those families who uh, are minimally impacted by uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and who are uh, wanting to help their fellow parents. So I know that uh, uh, we've gotten uh, uh, over $48,000 uh, contributed to that fund. Um, uh, our, our board has already made its contributions of over 400,000. And uh, we, we hope to help many families keep their children enrolled in our school because of the uh, uh, generosity of our families. So that's the Stronger Together up, uh, update. Now, I have a very exciting uh, announcement to make. Uh, it's exciting on, uh, for many reasons, but uh, uh, it, it is most exciting because we are going to be able to properly honor the class of 2020. Uh, in fact, just minutes before we went on the air, an email went out to all the upper school families announcing that we have a date and a place for a live graduation on May the 22nd at Toyota Stadium, 7 p.m. in the evening. Um, this uh, announcement is the culmination of, of much prayer and many, many hours of working behind the scenes and working various angles. And I just want to commend Kevin Mosley, our upper school principal, and his team for their tireless uh, work on this. I know personally Kevin has spent sleepless nights trying to figure this out. How can we uh, honor our graduating seniors in the best way possible? Uh, and our goal was to, all along, was to have a live or in-person graduation rather than a virtual uh, graduation. And we're going to be able to do that. Toyota Stadium is a perfect venue for this. Um, it seats 20,000. We typically will have 1,200 to 1,500 uh, uh, people attending our graduation. So we have plenty of room to spread out, uh, to honor social distancing or, or meet social distancing requirements. 
uh, we've got a plan in place to ensure that uh, uh, our, uh, all those who attend are safe. This also allows extended family to uh, attend. I know that there are several uh, high schools in the area that are limiting uh, the uh, uh, graduation attendance to immediate family only. Well, we're not gonna have to do that now. Uh, extended families, grandmoms, granddads, uh, aunts and uncles, friends of graduates will be able uh, to be accommodated because we're in a large stadium and we can uh, spread people out and ensure that they, uh, uh, that we comply with social distancing uh, guidelines. So anyway, we're very excited about this. We're also can announce that we're having a baccalaureate uh, service um, the day before graduation on Thursday morning at uh, Preston Trail Community Church. They've been very uh, generous in allowing us to use their uh, facility. We can, uh, it's got a large enough sanctuary so that the graduates, their parents, and, uh, and our faculty can gather in uh, that venue. So, so God is answering our prayers. Uh, he, uh, we're excited about this. We think it's gonna be a unique experience, but it will be a very special experience for a special group of students. So couldn't wait to make that announcement. Uh, more details will follow, but uh, uh, congratulations to Kevin and his team for uh, making this happen. All right, so I'm gonna uh, pass it on uh, uh, to Shannon Nelson, who's, uh, who will have a few other announcements. Thank you so much, Bill. Um, all right, well, y'all, I just wanted to join you for just a moment to share some um, upcoming uh, uh, programs and events that we have. Um, so save the date, our LCA business directory recently launched. If you've not had a chance to share your business information, we, we sure do encourage you to do so. Um, you can go to the website and simply search business directory and you'll be able to find the form to submit your information. Um, and this provides us with a unique opportunity to support each other through this time. So we encourage you to do that. Uh, virtual Laps of Love has officially kicked off today. So over this weekend, it's supposed to be beautiful weather. We encourage you to get outside with your family, uh, wear your Laps of Love shirts that we passed out before spring break um, and, and just get active. We are going to honor the meals that we sent to Haiti through Feed My Starving Children by uh, walking hopefully over 3,600 miles together as a group. Um, and in your email uh, earlier today, you likely received the uh, mileage tracker. So we encourage you to get out, get active, tag LCA in your photos and have some fun this weekend. Uh, also next week on Tuesday, we will launch our TJ Tomney virtual auction. So in lieu of our golf tournament, which we weren't able to make happen, we're going to do a virtual auction and we're still going to be able to bring you all of the wonderful items that we typically bring to you through the uh, golf tournament. So we will um, provide opportunities for you to bid on everything from uh, LCA experiences, um, things like uh, your VIP parking spaces, all the way over to weekend getaways. So take a look at that uh, next week. All funds that we raise will support our Stronger Together Fund. Um, and last but certainly not least, our Eagle Mama group will, uh, our women's ministry will get together next Wednesday on the 6th at 1130. So we invite you to join us virtually for that opportunity. So without further ado, we will turn things over to our featured guest today, Mr. Dustin Messer. We are so glad to have you with us. Uh, Dustin is our Biblical Worldview and Cultural Engagement Coordinator, and he has been with Legacy for five years. And he spends his time not only pouring into our students, but also into our faculty and staff. 
And when he comes up on the screen, you'll see his April uh, reading list back behind him, just a few books, <laughs> but he is very well versed. And we are so excited to hear from you today, Dustin. So uh, if you join us, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, Shannon. And thanks everybody for uh, letting me present something on uh, a biblical approach to uh, this pandemic. But before I do that, I just wanna say a year ago, uh, Mr. McGee and Mr. Townsley called me in Mr. McGee's office and said, we wanna start thinking about uh, a different crisis and uh, think about it now rather than later. And it was really a cultural and spiritual crisis in the West that I think it took a lot of fortitude. And I've talked to a lot of other Christian schools uh, over this past year who are seeing how do we equip our kids for really changing and scary cultural and spiritual landscape, certainly different than uh, the landscape that, that a lot of us are familiar with. And so I want to share with you something about the Bible says about this present moment. And it's going to be hopeful. But before I do, if we could go to uh, the next slide, I want to say something uh, about that cl cultural and spiritual landscape, which isn't as optimistic as, as I'll be. Uh, what I want to say is, uh, drawing on, there's a book by uh, a New York Times author named Ross Dow that, that came out just before the pandemic. And one of the things he pointed out was, since 1969, when we landed on the moon, the West hasn't uh, taken on a big problem, hasn't solved a really big issue, and that that's led to a state of apathy and stagnation. Apathy, both technological apathy, spiritual apathy, and cultural stagnation. And then a lot of the stuff I've been reading from the Barna Group and various uh, people who research uh, the current generation of high schoolers and even junior high schoolers, show that our spiritual life is both passive, it's something that we sort of just take in from someone else giving it to us, and it can be isolated. It can be something we relegate just to our heads or, or something on Sunday. Um, and so that's sort of the landscape of culture two months ago, and then uh, this pandemic happened. And so I just wanna say something hopeful. You know, Christians are called to lament and grieve, no question, but we're never called to grieve or lament Without hope, if we could go to the next slide, I'm going to say a couple of reasons for that. The first is that God is sovereign. Uh, you can read the verses here on the screen if you like, but I don't think these next two points are going to be anything uh, a legacy parent is going to disagree with. God is totally in control. Now, when I say that, that's not gospel yet. That's not good, good news yet. I mean, to a lot of non-believers, when they're in pain and suffering, uh, and you say, God is in control, that feels like cold comfort. Uh, except for the next point, if we go to the next slide, God is no, no, not only in control, not only is he king, but he's also good. He has a positive disposition towards me and towards you, toward the, towards those people he made. Now, those two things alone, God being sovereign by itself is not good news, right? Him being in control. If I want to go to, you know, a Taylor Swift concert, I could ask Taylor Swift, should have the permission to give me a ticket, assuming you're allowed to go to concerts again. But she's in control, but she doesn't care about me. She wouldn't give me a ticket. My grandmother cares about me, but so far as I know, she does not have any contacts with T-Swift. She's not gonna be able to give me a ticket. She's good, but she's not in control. Taylor Swift would be in control, but she doesn't care about me, right? What I need is someone who's both in control and cares about me. God is not only in control, totally of every situation, good and bad. Uh, he also cares for us. 
And if those two things are true, the next slide, we can say that all suffering is redemptive. Why? Because he's in control and because God is good. The classic example, again, you can read it on the screen, is the example Peter gives in Acts chapter 2. Peter says, Jesus was nailed to a cross by you lawless men. It's the worst event in human history. Kids ask me all the time about uh, innocent people who die, uh, you know, and what happens to them. And my very first instinct, as soon as someone talks about an innocent person dying, is to say, we, let's look at the number one, the only innocent person to ever die. And it was Jesus. It was the worst event in human history. And Peter says, Jesus' death, God uses to do what? To save the world to save those who would put their hope and their faith in him. That's the best event in human history. So Peter draws on this principle that God's in control and he's good. And God works not in spite of this tragedy, the death of Jesus, the death of the son of God, but he works through it. And all throughout scripture, this is the promise given to me and given to you that all things work out for the good of those who love and fear the Lord. Why? He's in control and he's good. Thus, all suffering, even this suffering, is for our good. It's redemptive. Uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the next slide here, spent eight years in the gulag. And laying on a prison floor, he wrote these words. Bless you, prison. Bless you for being in my life. For there, lying upon the rotting prison straw, I came to realize that the object of life is not prosperity as we are made to believe, but the maturity of the human soul. What he realized was that God used even the prison, the worst thing he had experienced for his own good. And I can just tell you, and you guys know this because you are living with the legacy Christian students. Every student I'm talking to is already having moments like this where they say, bless you, oh hardship, because God is maturing their souls and he is doing good through it. And I bet even in your family, you have stories already that amidst the heartache, amidst the suffering, amidst the loneliness, you can already see where in one year and two years and 10 years, you're going to be able to say, bless you, oh hardship, because in this hardship, God was good and sovereign and working towards my good. All suffering is redemptive. Okay, if we go to the next slide. The Bible teaches us the arc of history is long, but bent towards justice. So I just want to, everything I say from here on out, I want to say how we can pray. I don't have, you know, uh, a special insight into the will of God in terms of what he's doing right now. But I do think we can lean in towards this idea that God won't waste suffering, that he's using all things for our good. And we can start to see how God can use this. We can pray how God will use this to change culture and to change our spiritual life. So first thing is in asking big questions, the culture can move from apathy to awareness. So think about like an invention like antibiotics, which is less than a hundred years old. If you're outside a hundred years ago, chopping wood, it's possible that you'll get a splinter and that splinter gets infection and infection and you die. In fact, Calvin Coolidge, when he was the president, the most powerful person uh, on planet Earth, his son is playing tennis outside, gets a blister as he's playing tennis uh, just before antibiotics are invented, and he dies. 
100 years ago, 200 years ago, 1,000 years ago, death is always on the human mind. It's something that is in the warp and wolf of human existence. And thankfully, because we have things like antibiotics, we're able to relegate a lot of the pain and suffering. We have a lot longer life expectancy. And even when there is death, we're able to keep it to the periphery of our existence to some extent. Uh, we've been able to sort of evade asking those really big questions. Um, today, when you, when me, when our students turn on the TV, they're really faced with this big existential question about what's the point of human existence. And I pray the way God will use this is he can move us from apathy. Ah, we have everything figured out. We're comfortable. We've mastered nature. What's there to be afraid of? To an awareness that no, actually life is a gift and that we shouldn't take even this day for granted. All right, so that's the first point culturally. The second, if we could uh, move slides, in solving big problems, the culture can move from stagnation to stimulation. As I said, if you want to read the book, it's a really powerful, I think, diagnosis of Western culture, The Decadent Society by Ross Douthat. One of the things he points out is that we've really become stagnant in our inventions in our life. He said, it's not that we stopped inventing in 1969, it's that uh, our inventions are just making current uh, technologies more useful and more safe. In other words, we move from a carriage to a car, that's like a revolutionary shift. Um, we move from letter writing to a phone, but today we're just making cars better and safer. We're just making phones, you know, we're moving from an iPhone 11 to an iPhone 12. We're just making those things a little bit better. We're not solving these big problems. And one of the things that struck me about the leadership team at Legacy is we're faced with this new really big problem and through it has already come innovations in education that I know as a teacher, I'm gonna use for the rest of my career. In other words, whenever you face a really big, huge, monumental problem, like going to the moon, like figuring out how to keep quality in education while you can't see the kids, it always inevitably stimulates creativity and innovation. And I think we can hope for that culturally. You know, this is probably a bad example, but I saw Greg Abbott tweeted uh, something about liquor sales online. And he said, who knows, maybe we'll keep doing this after the pandemic. And that's probably a bad illustration for a Bible teacher to be using, but it shows that uh, there are a lot of, you know, regulations and things that limit us. And it is a good time to say, well, why were we doing that thing in the past? I know as a teacher, I'm going to do that going forward. All right. So these big problems, these big questions, I think can start to move us from postures of stagnation to stimulation, from apathy uh, on to something Deeper, if we could go to the next slide, I know I'm going quickly, feel free to reach out and we can talk through this one-on-one -on -one if that would be helpful. I want to say two things about our spiritual life. By taking ownership of our family's spiritual development, our faith can move from passivity to purposefulness. What do I mean by this? Well, all of the data in terms of the spiritual life of the average Western teenager shows that their faith is quite passive. You know, they're Greek Orthodox because their parent is Greek Orthodox. They're Methodist because their parent is Methodist. It's sort of just, you know, they're going through the assembly line of life and faith is one component 
to a richer and more textured identity. Something I have found uh, myself is being at home, you know, no one knows if I don't tune into uh, church on Sunday morning. And so it really encourages me, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I leading my family in things like Bible reading and prayer? And I, you know, someone shared a, a quote with me, a parent shared a quote with me just today that said, God didn't shut down a bunch of churches. He opened churches in everybody's home. And I know you're experiencing that where you are becoming the pastor in your little house of two or three kids. And I think that's going to be an incredibly redemptive use of this time of isolation. Parents taking ownership of their faith, students taking ownership for their faith, not depending on chapel, as much as I have an interest in our students loving chapel, not dependent on church, but taking ownership and not taking the posture of passivity, but it becoming purposeful. Last point, I know I'm talking super fast, but I have a time limit. By developing healthy habits, our faith can become less isolated and more integrated. I've noticed during this time that my life is so habitual. And there's something about being locked in a house where you're just aware, okay, every morning at 7 a.m., I have my first cup of coffee. At 7.30, I have my second cup of coffee. And at night, maybe you're uh, having a movie night or something like that. Your life has become very habitual. And the truth is those habits shape us and make us, and they always do. Uh, I just read a great book called The Power of Habit. And one of the things it points out is a goal is a good thing to have, but ultimately habits eat goals for breakfast, right? So if your goal is to run a marathon, but your habit is not to run, but just to like eat Fritos for breakfast, that goal will never be realized. Your habit is always more important than your goal. And so this is uh, an opportunity, I think, for our families, for ourselves to develop habits that reach the goal that I know every single one of us at Legacy Christian Academy has, which is a deeper union and communion with the resurrected Lord Jesus. That's why at the upper school, our chapel this year has been devoted, I think providentially, towards the spiritual disciplines, where we're saying our faith isn't just something isolated in the brain but it is something that moves into our body, right? So if we just study our Bible and keep it in our head, it's like a kid who reads about bicycles. It doesn't mean they know how to ride the bike. But this year in chapel, we've really emphasized things like fasting, prayer, Bible reading, uh, scripture memory, and so forth. Why? Because we're trying to get kids to step on the bicycle, to develop habits, rituals, rhythms, that orient them towards life, to where their faith can move from something of isolation, just being in the brain, or just something they do on Sunday, or Thursday morning in chapel, to fully integrated in their life. All right, I know that was uh, a lot in just under 15 minutes, um, but what I do want you to know is I am available to you uh, with any questions or anything I can do for you guys. I've enjoyed uh, the opportunities I've had to pray with students and with families from Legacy. If there's ever anything I can do, feel free to email me. And I'm praying that God uses this time of suffering, and no doubt it is a time of suffering for your redemption and for the redemption of our kids and schools. And I pray that in a year from now, uh, we as a community look back 
and we say, bless you, O trial, because you were providentially given to us by a good God who wants nothing but our best. All right. Thank you, guys. Shannon, over to you. Awesome. Thank you, Dustin, so much. What a, a wonderful word. I know I scribbled down habits eat goals for breakfast. I'm going to keep that one close. That's a, that's a, a, great, a great thought there. Um, thank you for the inspiration, Dustin. We, we appreciate it. Now with that, we are going to move things over to our Q&A. Um, so if you all will go ahead and get to your keyboards and pop open your chat dialog box, we'd love to hear from you what's on your mind. We've shared a lot today, everything from graduation news all the way over to Dustin's wonderful word for us. So um, if anything's on your mind, please go ahead and, and tap those questions in. And with that, I'll turn things over to Adam Housley to moderate our Q&A. Great, thank you, Shannon. Good afternoon, everyone. We've got just a handful of questions submitted so far. So if you have some more now would be a good time to get them in because I think these will go uh, fairly quickly. Mr. Mosley, we've got two for you. Uh, you answered the big graduation question, but you are not quite off the hook just yet. Uh, will Legacy be offering any type of academic summer school classes as well as questions about strength and conditioning and um, athletic summer camps? Mute. Sorry. It's okay. Am I unmuted now? Okay, good. So let me start with the last of those questions first. Um, regarding strength and conditioning, our facilities will be available uh, within the dis uh, social distancing guidelines that the governor has. Um, beginning uh, in the summer, you'll get an announcement from the athletics department regarding uh, opening up the weight room and making that available. Um, it will not happen until school is out and likely not till the 1st of June. Um, so from that perspective, we will have strength and conditioning available for our athletes in the summer using our facilities. We are not opening those up for anyone outside the legacy family at this time. So <clears throat> regarding academics, our leadership and academic team uh, have been considering how we could maybe give our students a springboard, uh, if you will, into a new year, um, particularly in some of the major literacy areas like reading and writing um, and also some foundational math. So those are the two areas we're focusing on, maybe in the upper school also or in, you know, maybe eighth grade up, some foreign language as well. Those are three, three areas we're looking into. Uh, Mr. Townsley and, and our principals are working hard on that. We're looking at maybe some two-week type um, two to three hour courses um, in the morning or maybe in the afternoon. Um, and it would be, our, our goal is to do those at no cost to, to legacy families. So we, you know, we, we will work hard to make that available and get that out to you as soon as we can. And we're excited about the opportunity to provide some, some uh, basic skills um, re review as they move into uh, another school year. Great, thank you. Um, another question for you, what's the official last day of distance learning for our juniors and seniors? Right, so the last day for distance learning for juniors and seniors is on May the 12th, which is coming up very quickly. Some of them may have an AP exam or, or something like that a couple days after that date, um, but both of them will end on that date and then the ninth and 10th graders will end on May the 22nd, which is the same day of the new graduation date. Very good, thank you. Um, Mr. McGee, I hear that social distancing may be required 
to open school in the fall. Can you talk a little bit about how LCA plans to address that? Uh, well, I can tell you what we know uh, to date, and that is we don't know that it, that it will be required, but we're planning as if it would. And we've got a couple of different uh, uh, teams working on that. Uh, the operations uh, team led by Bill Dyer is going to work with the academic team, which will uh, be working on the different modes of instruction. So those two teams specifically will be um, planning for the possibility that we'll have to observe social distancing uh, to begin the school year or sometime during the school year. So uh, uh, this is a common uh, question and, and uh, there are schools all over the country that are attempting to answer this. This is maybe the most challenging question that we faced as educators. How do we conduct on-site education and still ensure social distancing? That's not an easy uh, question to answer, but uh, we do have the best minds in, in the whole country working on solutions. So uh, as we come to some uh, hard decisions, we'll certainly communicate that out to our parents. Very good, thank you. And this may be our final question unless we see some more coming in, but is uh, Mr. McGee, we'll, we'll toss it back to you. I know you addressed this just a little bit earlier, but I think it's important to reiterate again. Uh, so I'll ask, is there still tuition assistance available for current families whose livelihood has been affected by the COVID situation? Absolutely. Um, uh, we are, are prepared to make more awards as needed. Um, and so if, if you're, uh, you know, and, and we also realize this is that maybe now your family has been minimally impacted, but later in the summer, uh, you may find that you really are uh, a challenge financially. So, so this process doesn't have a, uh, a deadline. In other words, it's fluid. It's a, it's a rolling uh, process so that as people uh, apply for financial aid, uh, they, you know, we have a committee that will uh, look at their applications. So, so I want to encourage everyone, don't think we're going to run out of money. Uh, don't think there's a deadline to meet. Just as you have a need, please uh, communicate to Sherry Mosley so you can start that uh, tuition assistance process. Excellent. Thank you. Well, that concludes our Q&A session. And so I will wrap that up and turn it right back to you, Mr. McGee, for some closing remarks. All right. Well, first of all, uh, thank you, Dustin, for uh, your inspirational message this afternoon. Um, who wouldn't want to sit in on Dustin's Bible class as he talks about these very same things with his students? I mean, I, several times uh, I've wanted to just audit his class. Don't want to take his exams, just want to audit his class uh, for, my own, for my own benefit. So, uh, but we're really blessed to have someone of his remarkable scholarship and wisdom. Uh, for those of you that don't know Dustin, maybe you don't have a child in high school. Dustin has two uh, seminary degrees and is just about completed with his uh, uh, his doctorate degree. I don't know when that occurs, Dustin, but looking forward to uh, referring you to, as Dr. Messer here soon. But uh, uh, as he was talking, I was just reminded of a definition, and I thought I would share with, with you because it fits perfectly with Dustin's message, and that is the definition of providence. 
And so let me read you a definition I found about what is divine providence. Divine providence refers to God's preservation of creation, his cooperation with everything that happens, and his guiding the universe. And I, I just thought, what, what a great definition of, of providence. And uh, I had a Presbyterian pastor friend of mine once tell me, said, Bill, uh, if you want to know God's providence, just look backwards. Just look backwards. Look backward in history and see God's hand throughout history and how he orchestrated uh, history for his glory and for his um, his plan, his his perfect plan for us. So I, I think, you know, uh, my encouragement to you, uh, legacy community, is trust in God's providence because he's a good God, as Dustin shared with us. He's all powerful and he's all good. And so what better place to put our trust in, in uh, other than an all powerful and all good God? So uh, with that, I'm going to turn it back to Dustin to close us in prayer. So, Dustin. Thank you, Mr. McGee. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the kindness, as Mr. McGee said, you have shown to us in the past. As I think about my own life from your um, just saving me and protecting me, caring for my family, I see your kind hand woven in my history. And as I look at the history of legacy over these 20 years, so many noble, faithful families who I never had the opportunity to meet, but who came together to form this Christ-centered, uh, Christ-exalting place. And the challenges this school has uh, weathered, you have been faithful. And so we pray, Father, that you would buoy our faith, that you would remind us of the provision you've given us yesterday, and that we would look ahead tomorrow, not with pessimism, not with fear, but with uh, great eagerness to see how you will use this difficult period for our good individually, but also our good as a school. And we pray, Father, for a special blessing upon our students this weekend. Would they get rest, nourishment, and encouragement? In Christ's name, amen. Shannon? All righty. Thank you so much, Dustin. Appreciate it. Um, everyone, just one more quick reminder that we've got all of these great resources for you. If you still have questions, uh, please do ping us at questions at legacyca.com. Also, reminder, laps of love this weekend. Get out, get active, take pictures, and, uh, and tag us on social media. Uh, we miss you all. We can't wait to see you again soon. Seniors, we can't wait to celebrate you really soon. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you next week.